Oh, oh, PC. Hey, hey that's, that's cool. cool. You got a podcast? Well, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Well, that's cool. Now you do. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back. Oh, that's cool. OTC's very own podcast uh, where we meet and talk to all the fantastic people we work with uh, here at OTC. I, of course, am Jared Durden, and with me as always... I'm still living the Table Rock life with you here. That's This right. is Andrew Crocker on behalf of uh, all political science instructors here at OTC and on behalf of the rest of you, the faculty and staff, as we get to know many of the people and the personalities, the glittering personalities that make up the tapestry of the Ozarks Technical Community College culture. How are you doing, sir? Ooh, that was good. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? Do, I, do you think of yourself as like the political science ambassador? I do, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember way back in the day, you and I were just looking in this um, conference room that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Does this conference room have a name? Uh, the conference room. The conference room <laughs> yeah. here at Table Rock. And at the conference room, there is a picture of the OTC. There's like an OTC Foundation picture, and it shows a picture from, geez, how many years ago? I got to say, this thing's got to be uh, 15 years old, is what I got to say. Rob <laughs> Rob Blevins. There are some, some looks very like a young child. faces that look a little bit different nowadays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking, uh, why was I bringing that up? Oh, because uh, one of the people I see is the late, great James Witts. So important in my development here at OTC. He has since passed on. And at the time I was hired, he was a lead instructor. That Different departments had different... Um, uh, you know, departments had lead mm-hmm. instructors. We don't. I don't think we do that. They anymore. kind of governed the adjuncts and mm-hmm. made decisions about curriculum and such. That's right. Now I am not a lead instructor. But emotionally, I consider myself a lead lead instructor. I'm the. I, I, I rally the troops at the top of the hill before we take the ridge. Yeah, very Civil mm-hmm. War style. I am. That's how I see myself. Are you just? Uh, you're. You're not a cog in the machine. You're. You're rallying the physics department. Surely, is that right? Oh, we're kind of our get behind me, guys. I don't know. I, th- I feel like we're all, you know, generals. So I, is that I how just... you describe the physics department at OTC? Yeah, is that collection uh, of generals. Uh, absolutely. I think they everybody kind of has their own place and 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 does their job to kind of rally each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's I weird. feel that these days a lot of the folks we bring on as adjuncts have not been adjuncting for super long, so they kind of need their hands held a little bit in the early going. And Kara Griffin now is a full timer. And I've, I've helped her a little bit along the way, but uh, that's how I see myself. I'm just get behind me, guys. Hop on my back. I'll get us across the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to have Kara on and see. Uh, <laughs> she'll confirm everything I'm course, saying. Of course. She, if she knows what's good for her, she'll confirm everything I'm saying. So we are still at Table Rock Campus on our grand tour of all the centers that make up uh, OTC as we, as we uh, uh, fight our mission to better the Ozarks. Yeah, I hope right. we do that too. I hope we, I, I really do hope we get to see every single campus. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like the idea of coming back and and, and meeting everybody. And uh, today, of course, uh, we we have another uh, fantastic uh, guest, uh, Devin Ellis, who is also a longtime listener of the podcast, which Yay. we're always happy to hear about. How are you today, Devin? I'm doing great. <laughs> so, great. Are you meeting your heroes right now? Is this like meeting your heroes? I am. I'm so excited to be here. Today. We have been we have been voices in your ears for like a year now, and now you're facing to face well to be honest i have listened to all your podcasts probably in the last two weeks okay <laughs> that's fine I, I hey, didn't know hey two weeks is a good you've binged i you did binged I, the I show. binge pod yeah yes. see that's this is right. what you got to tell all of your friends all your colleagues <laughs> that's right we, now 
Devin, I think you were very fair, and I agree with you. I'm right there with you when you say that a couple of these podcasts you had to fast forward through because they were. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with names. you. I, I'll straight up say a name. Grayson Forsey knows what he okay. did to me. He knows what he did to me. He came here and he gave me the business on NFTs, and my head's still swimming. My head's been swimming for months. I am going to stick up for Grayson. That was a fantastic episode. Great, yeah. It was very informative. Maybe just take a second listen. <laughs> Uh, all of our all of our guests, I'll stick up for them. Yeah, a hundred percent. He did, he did an outstanding. I loved talking to him, and uh, we need to also thank him for all the help, the technical help he's given us over time. But. A chance to remind everybody too that we did turn that episode into an NFT, and it is still for sale. No one has purchased <laughs> I, I, I it. I looked or, that one up too. <laughs> did you? <laughs> still not sure what's going on. Ethereum's but, not know. doing too great right now, but yeah. it, it is still uh, available for purchase. It's the blockchain, Devin. It's a blockchain. It's a blockchain. That's, See, that's you, all it is. you learned. Yeah, okay. I can. I can. Got it. <laughs> so, Devin. You know, my least favorite thing about because sitting through that conversation was a little bit like sitting through Spanish for me. Because <laughs> when I took Spanish, the most irritating thing about taking Spanish, I'm clenching my teeth when I say this, the most irritating thing about taking Spanish was that your Spanish instructors, at least when you get to like Spanish three and four, uh, it's my fault that I didn't understand Spanish enough and I was still signing up for those classes, but they speak Spanish. Like, right. I. I need you to tell me what we're saying in English because I, 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 for some reason, that part of my brain cannot operate. The part where I translate everything I say into a whole different language. I felt that way a little bit in the NFT conversation. Well, the funny thing about that is I go off on rabbit tracks or something, yeah. you know, and so I'm starting there, look it up while I'm listening. Yeah. What is this? And looking at, you know, NFTs for dummies and I still can't figure it out. And in walks one of our instructors into my office and he says, hey, I have this great idea. I'd like to propose a class that we could teach at OTC. And it's about Bitcoin and NFTs. And I'm How like, serendipitous. Are you, are you kidding? And he said, no, I'm serious. I said, come here, look at my computer screen. Look a, what I'm looking at right now and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> a class on cryptocurrency. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Now, Kara Griffin and I, did have an idea, her and I both co-sponsor Politically Active, but her and I did have an idea for starting a second club that we just didn't have time for, and it was like a life club to help people figure out how they're, like, how, let's have a meeting, figure out how our car works, generally. Yeah. If there are some common car problems, how can you fix it? How to manage your checkbook better. Um, people don't use that word anymore, but uh, how to, uh, a classic example, how my cryptocurrency might work. How... I still, as a grown man, barely understand my healthcare plan. <laughs> you know, okay. So, like that—that that kind of stuff would be, I think, useful. But um, I don't know. Maybe that's something we circle back on at some point. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. So, Devin, tell us uh, about yourself. So, before we talk about your relationship to the college, just tell us a little bit about who is Devin Ellis. Well, I am a native of Branson, Missouri. Lived here my basically entire life over a half a century. I won't tell you my age, but yeah. And um, I grew up, uh, my parents were school teachers. Uh, my sisters both teach and taught school, still do. And I'm uh, one of the few non-educators as far as instructors in my family, but I'm of course still in the business of education uh, and have been for uh, over 20 years now. And um, uh, I grew up here in Branson, went to Branson High School, graduated from Branson, 12-year uh, senior, all that good stuff, and went away to college but came back, and I'm still here, and I'm still here. <laughs> um, 
a lot of family in the area. Um, uh, I, I grew up and spent a lot of time here. Uh, a lot of my time has been spent here at OTC. Um, and what is your position here at OTC? Well, I am Dr. Rob Griffith's administrative assistant. Uh, that's where my position has evolved to. It's not where I started, but that's where I'm ending. <laughs> so. And uh, tell us a little bit about this evolution. Well, uh, that will go with talking about my involvement with OTC. Um, back in 2001, uh, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. Her name was Mary Parent. Uh, she taught at the Branson schools, and she had a friend named uh, Sue Moore. And Sue Moore was the dean um, over, I believe she was dean over continuing education at the time. And she, uh, Mary said, you need to go talk to my friend Sue. She's got a job, and you're perfect. And I went, okay. So I drove up to Springfield and met with Sue Moore over at the used-to-be continuing education office, which I believe was in uh, Graff Hall, maybe, at the time. And uh, we sat down at her desk, and she talked to me for maybe 20 minutes and said, okay, you want to start on Monday? And I'm like, whoa. Oh, how about that? Yeah, that was back before we had, you know, committees. Yeah. The whole, the whole, you know, pony show that we have now. <laughs> what, was, what was going on in that conversation that you inspired confidence in her that quickly? They were desperate. Okay, well, that helps. <laughs> What, well, what it was, they were. Um, they decided OTC decided to rent um, the old school building in Branson, uh, just off Six and College Street, mm -hmm. near downtown. If anyone's familiar with Branson, uh, Chick Fil A. It's not very far from Chick Fil A. Now it wasn't there then, but that was a, a farm there back then. But Dr. anyway, Doctor Griffith said to ask you about starting in the basement of a school with a folding table. Well, that's where I'm going. Okay. <laughs> and, and it wasn't a folding table. It was a metal desk okay. from I show some respect. It was a metal desk. Jerry. And I had a beautiful orange uh, <laughs> office chair that was atrocious, that was very comfortable. And uh, But anyway, we, we leased the building. Um, it was an old school building, and uh, we leased the downstairs um, classrooms. And then the office was actually uh, the breezeway when you come into the building and they uh, built a, a plywood wall uh, for my office wall and put a desk they found an old desk somewhere in the basement and that was my office and my job to start off with was answer the phone and transfer calls to Springfield um, but we did have continuing education classes in the in some of the two classrooms that we had you know, classes like photography or beginning Spanish, not credit, but, um, and my job was to print out um, the rosters, hand them to the teachers and open the door and lock the doors when they're coming and going, and then send all the paperwork up to Springfield. So that's how we started down here at the, uh, the Branson area. It was this, the Branson Education Center. This was 1980. This is 2001. 2001, okay. Yeah. So for some reason, I, I thought you guys started around the time the Springfield breaks it. But no, I guess it no, would have made some more sense. No, it was about 10 years into... I yeah, okay. was at the it's just hard to realize now that 20 years ago it was still in the 2000s. <laughs> like, that gets me sometimes. Some are, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're as close to 2000 as we are to 2044. <laughs> I realize that. That's scary. Yeah. But uh, some fun facts about that building is uh, it was infested with bats. 
I don't know if Rob bats. The bat he story. didn't mention that part. Oh gosh, yeah. When we moved into that building, it had not been used for a long time, uh, and some backstory. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in Branson. My father taught high school. That particular building was the high school uh, for Branson back in uh, 1960s into the 1970s before they built some more buildings. And my father was a science teacher. He taught earth sciences and other sciences. And he's a whole story in itself. I'm good with stories, but anyway. You're in the right place. One of the things that he did, um, he was uh, the caving teacher. I mean, he taught geology. But I'm I mean, sorry. Not the caving teacher, but um, he had a caving club, spelunking. Oh, sure, yeah, you know, okay. Going yeah. in a cave, caving, spelunking. Um, and he was he was the the teacher that hosted what what do you call that um, you know the sponsor teacher mm-hmm. um, and we had a caving club and we would go into caves everywhere and uh, being the only girl in a group of boys going in a bunch of cave with my dad always <laughs> was really a lot of fun. Um, Bruce Hershon was one of my high school buddies. We got to hang out in Marble Cave in the middle of the night going to all the places that you normally don't go, brought a guitar, you know, all that good stuff. We had a lot of fun back in the 70s, you know. So anyway, he used to catch bats. I don't know why, but he liked to collect animals. And as a science teacher, a lot of kids would bring in, oh, this possum got run over and here's baby possums. Or here's a snake we found. So his classroom was full of animals, including huh. bats. <laughs> including bats. Well, bats, and we, lo- yeah. bats look a little freaky, but they are... They're actually, in the grand scheme of animals, not that bad to humans. No, they eat mosquitoes. Yeah. They're good things. Mm-hmm. But uh, You can pluck them with your hand. I mean, I would not touch one with a 10-yard pole, but I know <laughs> I know intellectually that you can actually just reach out and grab Yeah, and, the, and maybe some carry rabies, but, you know, that's, uh, yeah. that's not a real common thing, mm-hmm. actually. Hmm. So, anyway, I, I, my theory is um, he probably started the bat colony back I in the gotcha. 70s. <laughs> I don't know. So you're thinking maybe they got left in the classroom and then continued on after it closed? Perhaps. Who knows? I don't know. But it was. uh, We need to bring back a caving club. We need to get on the horn with Robert Clark. Here's the problem now. Get Green Council to do some of that caving stuff. So many caves have so many regulations with the insurance and liability that you just can't really get into caving like we did back in the 70s. Hmm. Uh, We would just go on trespass and do a lot of caving uh, a lot of caves uh, if they're on personal property yeah you know you might get in trouble um, so I don't know that we do a lot of things like we did back in the <laughs> back in the day yeah um, but yeah there's a lot of caves uh, I can tell you a lot of cave stories too there's, there's a little cave. bit of caving options in Springfield up in spring we have oh the, yeah uh, you've got some great at Sequoia uh, Park you can uh, canoe into one to canoe uh, a kayak or something floating. Yeah, they host a little. There is an issue, though, to be aware of that a part of that regulation is about um, white. There's a there's a disease that 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 harms the bats. That harms the bats. That has to do with with encroaching on their their territory. White, this, white something I can't remember. This is what it's just called. what Devin's talking about. Back in the seventies, people hit up <laughs> we caves willy nilly. Caves. I don't care. <laughs> Times know. were crazy in the seventies. People just went into caves. Back in the seventies. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. But every morning we'd come into the building and there was a janitor that was hired, uh, left on staff from uh, when the school had the building. Uh, She was a very elderly little old lady, white hair. Her name was Iva. And Iva and I would walk through the building every morning and 
trap the bat. She didn't want to kill him, <laughs> so we would, you know, catch, get a bucket and put it over it and slide paper underneath, flip it over and take it outside and let it go. That's um, good. But we had so many bats, we finally called a company, um, Critter Control, mm-hmm. and had them come and put a bat valve on some of the exits in the building, uh, up in the eaves. Um, there's vents or something, and they would trap the bats and they well the bats could go out but they couldn't come back in Mm, i gotcha so eventually you know we kind of got rid of the bats but another fun fact about the building besides all the bats was um the electrical system was probably built in when the building was original probably in the 40s to 50s maybe yeah but the fuses they had those glass fuses and if i there was a soda machine and it was miserable hot, so we had to put a window unit in the in my little office space, so you know I could tolerate being there. And we had a copy machine, a computer, and a phone. If I had to make a copy and I forgot to turn off the air conditioner, it would blow the fuse in the whole building. Oh. And then we'd have to go down and turn on, you know, get the new fuse and put a new fuse in so we could have electricity again. And uh, so that building was a lot of fun. Sure. Uh, but the funny thing is, I grew up in that particular building. As a kid, my father taught in that building. And then uh, it was junior high back in the 70s after they built the first high school. And as a student, I was a kid there. And then you know, my, they changed it to fourth grade, kindergarten, something. My own children went there. And then I get the job with OTC. And here I am back in the same building. My, and that building was haunted, just so you know, too. It was haunted. Hold on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. One time I was in haunted. there. Yeah, there's ghosts in there or something. <laughs> you said that very definitively. Okay. No, what, I, I, what? I, I'm not really like. You Give know, us your, uh, you know. My experience with the ghosts yes. in the building. Yeah. Well, we had a computer lab. It was the first um, room at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. And, you know, late in the afternoon, I would walk through. Everybody's gone. Nobody's in the building. I, you know, I monitor who's in there. And I would go through and lock all the rooms up. And I went, went into this computer lab. We had probably 10 computers in there and those big, anyway. Uh, but the, it's a long hallway. And all the doors to the classrooms are recessed back into, you know, a little alcove. And then the doors in the back, because there were lockers down the hall and they had to recess them. And I stepped into that computer lab and I was, um, you know, shutting them all down and you know, clearing out the room, and as I'm in there, I heard this, just a really loud thump, and I turned around towards the door, because it came towards, from the door area, and there's a penny on the floor spinning, like someone had thrown a penny Hmm. into the room, so immediately I stuck my head out into the hallway, very long hallway, not a soul in sight. And I went through, looked upstairs, downstairs. There was not another person in the building. I'm not sure how a penny got. <laughs> did the, did the, is it bat related? No, that was after they Those got rid the of bats. all the bats. <laughs> well, that's the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> the problem is the bats were keeping the ghosts away. Did, did the penny create the sound? Or there was the it, sound it had, that. like hit the wall and fell oh. on the wall and was falling. Huh. It, it, it was the sound was something thumped into the wall and then landed on the floor 
and when I looked down, this, what was that? I am I am not comfortable with this. I'm really yeah, I'm really weird. glad this is yeah. a well lit room. I am not <laughs> I'm not very comfortable right now. Yeah, you should have been in the basement of that place. It was really <laughs> creepy, but. <laughs> But the tornado hit that building and tore it down uh, after we were out of it. We, but anyway, one of the reasons we left that building uh, was because uh, we had some handicap issues. We had a gentleman that was uh, wheelchair bound, an electric wheelchair, and the only way to get him to his classroom was through a back hallway in the back of the gym, uh, unlock three or four out. I mean, it was just like a maze to get to him and to get him in that lower floor. So because of handicap issues, uh, we decided it was time to do something different. And that's when we moved to the mall. And basically my, my role was a uh, one-stop shop, uh, continuing education. Then we added an English class, uh, you know, and then a few for credit classes. Um, and then just kind of started building those. And then uh, got, you know, the handicap issue moved us to the outlet mall. Um, on off Gretna Road and uh, did that for a while and uh, I was student services uh, custodian uh, bouncer um, you name it I did it for for a while and we got more help and by the time we moved over here um, which was in 2013 uh, I, I I love our students but I was ready to not work directly with the students every day all the time <laughs> so I ended up moving behind the scenes and I'm quite happy to be behind the scenes as uh, an administrative assistant and like a puppet master pulling the yeah and the funny the thing is I don't know that I'm like a normal administrative assistant uh, with with um, what we do here I do a lot of every uh, budget uh, uh, I'm shipping and receiving, I'm uh, scheduling, um, a little bit of HR thrown in there, um, just all you the... do what needs the, to be done. All the behind the scenes stuff, that's what I do, and that's what I like to do. That's I, I gotta I say, your, your digs have improved <laughs> since, uh, since our bat-infested well, ghost haunted place before. What, what about the new building? Is somebody who's worked in, I've worked in a few dilapidated old breaking down buildings myself and it's just people that have worked in those office environments now you're working in like a state-of-the-art building what's like a couple things that the rest of us shouldn't take for granted about like the modern office well electricity (laughs) (laughs) reliable Um, electricity okay well air conditioning (laughs) lack of animals in your office behind the curtain you know (laughs) yeah true story um well, yeah. At the Springfield um, campus, for me, it's always the iced coffee. There's like seven different spots in the Springfield campus. If you are ever hankering for an iced coffee, which I am <laughs> like twice a day, that's you, you're at the right spot. You can go get them anywhere. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. Good, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I, I, I don't get out of here much. Uh, I, 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 yeah. We don't suck you up to Springfield occasionally? I try real hard not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to stay close to home, and uh, you know, fun fact: I have been staying close to home my whole life. Yeah, <laughs> um, living in Branson my whole life, and uh, it's a good place to be. It's interesting. Uh, we just got a completely different perspective. Not that long ago, we were talking to Rob, and and uh, he's been many places. He moved around. He actually yeah. d- he did not have the experience of even staying in the same space for twelve months till he was like well into grade school. 
So that's kind of, and I'm kind of the same way. I've spent most of, almost my entire life in Springfield. And one thing that Rob really tried to stress that I want to add an addendum to is he was like, wherever you happen to find yourself, get out. Try to get out of there occasionally. Now, I don't know how much you agree with that particular message, but I agree with it as well. I got out of Springfield a couple times and I just came back both times. I liked Springfield more than the other places I worked. But I do think it's important to get a little, I don't know, outside the community culture into you. Now, you yourself, do you agree or disagree as somebody who has been pretty much anchored to uh, Um, I'm a homebody, including homework. Mm -hmm. You know, this is home. OTC is my home. Um, as well as Branson is my home. But I do like to go places and see things and do things. You're wearing a shirt right now. I've been to that same place it's called Breckenridge. Yeah. Is that one of your favorite places to vacation to or try? Well, um, Breckenridge, actually, Colorado. anywhere skiing, anywhere snow. You, One of your podcasts, you guys tired, started a little bit about the snow. Mm-hmm. And that is truly one of my passions. Um, snow, anything snow, sledding. I'm a I still, I still sled. I still sled. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> tell you what, this hill out here. Is oh, cool. you know it yeah, actually does. It is. Don't don't tell security though. <laughs> um, and I may or may not have ever take my sled to work and off hours, you know, before or after. I know where we're coming during the next I big snow. You. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's we need a to nice throw a big sledding hill out yeah, here. I'll have to bring but, my kids to the next episode. But we're not going to tell anybody, right? That's right. So sure. Yeah. Oh, I was going to suggest we throw an OTC sled party up here. Well, I've been told that that's against policy or something. Oh. I don't know. I was told that, you know. Mm. Come on, grounds people. So, uh, no, I think it's more safety and security. Safety and I mean, I don't know. Again, that's risk hurt. assumed. I don't know. People that's get risk hurt assumed. Sledding. Not to mention, you know, this car right here. Yeah, that's sledding. <laughs> no, 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 no lie, actually. Oh, no. Um, snow-related skiing. I love to ski, and people are always surprised because, you know, I'm a chubby old lady, and guess what? I love, love to ski, and I'm pretty darn good at skiing. What slopes do you go on? Oh, you, um, next week, I'm yeah. on vacation. Uh, we're heading to Brian's Head, Utah. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, some good skiing there. My son lives in Vegas. And there's mountains in Utah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some good skiing in Utah. I only Utah. know them for, like, the plains and the lake and stuff, but there's mountains. Huh? Oh, there's mountains. Oh, yeah. There's good skiing in Utah. They okay. had the Olympic stuff in Utah once. That's Park a good City. point. Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah if you ever oh, yeah. go to Salt Lake City, you oh, can't man, miss the mountains. serious skiing there. Um, I Colorado, um, Las Vegas. You can ski 40 minutes north of Las Vegas huh. at uh, Mount St. Charleston. It's called Lee Canyon. Uh, pretty good skiing there, and St. Louis. Yeah. Nobody knows about St. Louis. It seems like Hidden Valley Ski Resort is just up there near um, Six Flags Eureka, and I don't know if they're doing it this year, but I haven't checked. But Wednesdays in February, if you have a college ID, go up there half price. You can ski on Wednesdays for half price with the college ID at Hidden Valley. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know if you've been up there for skiing. Um, it's, you know, it's Missouri skiing, not Colorado, not Idaho. Idaho's great skiing, too. Will you take us on a skiing episode? We'll go skiing with you. Oh, man. You can show us the slopes, and then we'll come back here and complain <laughs> about how hurt I am. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, any excuse to ski, I'm there. Am I crazy that I seem to remember from my youth that there was like an uh, a ski slope in the Ozarks. Brighton, Missouri, just north of 
Is it still Fantastic. there? No, no okay. it was crummy. I skied that one okay. two months. <laughs> and that was it was like man made, right? Like, yeah, man made. Was it natural snow? snow? Well, the time I went, we had no school that day, and my dad and I took off and went up there. And um, yeah, if you know how to ski, it was you'd ride a lift for five minutes up the one hill and ski down in two point five seconds. It's pretty. Yeah, I'm I like, I, really? I went a couple times. On, it was just is, like a straight down. Yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah, and if you know what you're doing, you know, come on, really. Yeah. That that's why they're not there anymore. It was yeah. very good skiing, but uh, yeah, I, I funny thing. I grew up skiing since I was a kid, and I grew up in Branson. And people go, "What?" But my dad um, worked out at Canico Mechanica Camps. You ever mm-hmm. heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. No, okay. It's a Christian athletic camp that's based out of Branson. Um, summer camp for um, kids. Uh, whose parents want to send them to sports camp. And my dad was the bus driver. And every winter, uh, they had a, a trip to Colorado, Breckenridge. We went to Winter Park. We went to Steamboat Springs. Um, every year, uh, he would load up a bunch of kids uh, whose parents wanted to send them on a ski trip. And the bus driver would bring his kids. And we were wearing our farmer overalls to ski in. And he would drop the you know, the well-to-do kids at the front gate. And then we'd go park the bus and we'd ski all day. And I learned to ski when I was a kid and went every year. That's great. And uh, skiing became my passion. And then I went to college in Idaho, um, Grand Targhee um, Ski Resort in the Teton Mountains. Amazing. Um, so I've got a lot of ski stories if you want ski stories. But yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Many injuries. I've been to the hospital multiple times with injuries. Your worst? What was your worst ski injury? Pardon? What was the worst ski injury? Or oh, no. the worst one. That's an easy one. Uh, I was in college and we were in Grand Targhee, um, Teton Mountains, uh, Wednesday before finals before Christmas, and uh, my dad sent us, my sister and I, some ski money. What did we do? We ditched classes to go skiing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we, we'd been skiing hard all day. And, you know, last one down to the parking lot buys the gas. We had a, <laughs> a group of us, you know. And uh, I was winning. I was in the lead and uh, hit some ice, uh, lost an edge, fell. Uh, my ski didn't come off as it should because it was frozen to the boot. Ripped my knee. Um, I had major uh, tendon repairs on my knee. and. A uh, long time in uh, physical therapy, uh, incredible scar that was back before they did scoping, you know, where they just make the little That's yeah, right. yeah. cast, you know, here to there for finals week in college. So oh, wow. it was, I took a couple of my finals in the, from my hospital bed. Um, a couple of teachers gave me incompletes, and I think one of them said, when you come back uh, sometime, you can come take the finals, and uh, got through that, and uh that was the worst, but in spite of that, man, I'm still on the Didn't slopes every you. chance I get. <laughs> and my son even had a ski accident at the same location within 100 yards of the same place. Wow. What, 20, 30 years, uh, maybe 25 years later. Um, yeah, he uh, did a f- jump, which he wasn't prepared for, and uh, landed on his back and did mm. some damage. But I wasn't with him when it happened. Um, I had taken a short break. And uh, anyway, he never came back, even though I sat there, watched, and have a picture of it 
that I didn't know that was him on the slopes and found out much later when I was filing a missing person report. <laughs> they had taken him down to the hospital in uh, Driggs, Idaho. Did they do that thing that uh, where they rescue you on the side of the hill, on the side of the mountain, where they Toboggan. put him in a little little Toboggan. pea pod thing or whatever, they zip them up and then they yes. ski him all the way down? and they skied right in front of me. I saw that, but uh, I didn't know it was him. Are the big- You wouldn't have, right? Because he's in the pod. He's <laughs> right, zipped they, up in they, like a gigantic they, sleeping bag, essentially. Yeah, on a toboggan thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are like the Beethoven dogs with the little barrels on their neck a thing anymore? <laughs> I've never seen any of those. In never those <laughs> now, we are speaking to each other in the middle of February. Winter Olympics are going on. Yeah. Because of your affinity for <laughs> are you a fan of Winter Olympics? Yes, I love the Olympics. Um <laughs> I have not had the opportunity to watch very many. We went to, mm. um, you know, app TVs where you have to pay your apps, to, you know. Right? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, sure. And NBC makes you do the, you know, where you pay the extra to get to watch the Olympics. Yeah. So I haven't been able to watch them until I had to go to my mother with the emergency room in the middle of the night. I got to watch the Olympics. That's great. Because <laughs> so. you, you were telling that story made me think of... Um, it's one of these skiing events where you it's it, they're going as fast as they can down this crazy mountain. They're oh, yeah. off the hill some of the time. They have to go zigzag between flags. And uh, I think it was the slalom because yeah. there was a women's event. Uh-huh. Did you read about this? Four of the competitor of the of the competitors all skidded out and smashed into that mesh netting at the exact same spot. Mm. Bad and, spot. Yeah. Gotta watch out for that spot. Yeah. And some of those folks, I mean, like they got up, but a couple had to be put in the pods and yeah 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 skiing's not real safe sometimes <laughs> but you know that's the fun of it right i know yeah that's the thing I, I i've been an adrenaline junkie my whole life and now that i'm older and wiser uh, it's hard not to be one the, the worst <laughs> uh skier i have only been skiing a few times uh the, the worst skier i've ever been with is my wife and she <laughs> says she says i don't know how true this is may just be an excuse she says she is uh she can't ski with any miles per hour at all. She's one mile per hour the entire way down the side. <laughs> and she says it's because she's like, I've just spent so many time in surgeries. My wife works at a hospital. I spent so much time in surgeries that all I can see going down the mountainside is the horrific injuries <laughs> that will occur. Yeah. I don't know how much of that's accurate. I think maybe she's just coming up with a You have to get out of your head to ski good. <laughs> yeah. Just don't overthink it. Just go. Yeah. There's the message. If she listens, if she listens to this episode, and that's that's a coin <laughs> get out flips of your chance. Head. Yeah, get out of yeah. your head. Oh, just FYI, there's an app you can put on your phone that will clock your speed when you're skiing. Oh, oh very cool. Yeah, my son, <laughs> son and I love to ski together. His wife's not a big fan of this. Neither is my husband, but they don't ski much, well at all. But uh, let's see how fast you can go. Oh, Devin, you are looking at uh, the uh, genesis of a Winter Olympics team. Our, mm-hmm. our good friend Jerry, our good friend uh, uh, Jeffrey Jeff Johnson uh-huh. is starting a curling team uh, with with. There's not enough adrenaline in curling. <laughs> Sorry, I watched I watched last night. I kind of feel it a little morning. bit no. with those guys working the brooms. I got to. No, I'm with the skeleton. I want to do the skeleton. Yeah, that, that's on my bucket list. That's with the sled. The little tiny one. Yeah. You lay on your stomach face first, and you just go down the ice chute. The ice chute. Hope you yeah. don't die. <laughs> You know, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. That's where I want to go. I, I, that's I, on my bucket list. I would try that it. Parachuting. <laughs> when I when I retire, I'm going to figure Parachuting's out. Parachuting's fun and, and a little closer to home. I haven't done that, but it's, it is on my list. I would suggest it. It was, it was yeah, I enjoyed it. Anyway. I, I would like to give that a shot. One of I, have an, I can see you, Devin. I can see you biathloning. Do you think you could uh, 
Which what are the two in that? Cross you are cross country skiing. No, wait a minute. And then cross you have country skiing is stupid. So wait, <laughs> you are cross country skiing, there's, and no, then you, we punch it up. There's with no a adrenaline. Firearms. There's no Russian. There's the rifle. No, you, you gotta go fast. You ski and then you you uh, rifle. You get that just add just out of control edge. You yeah. know, just a little. Once you hit that, I'm out of control feeling. Just past that. That's where you want to be. Just. <laughs> That's when you can ski good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, it's I, all right. Know, get me on that topic. I, I, I have a hard time shutting up. So, uh, <laughs> uh, we've learned a lot about you already. One of, oh, one, absolutely. Of the, one of the questions that we like to ask, though, um, is, uh, is there a hero, someone you look up to, an inspiration in your life that you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, I've been thinking about that question, and I've got three different lines to go with. Please. And I don't know if you want me to go with all three, but I'm going to start with the most, I think, uh, near and dear to my heart. And I'm going to say healthcare workers right now. Um, I have a daughter who went through OTC nursing program. Shout out there mm -hmm. for our program. And uh, she is a nurse here at Cox. and Here in this area? Yeah, Branson. Uh, Branson, yeah. And then I also have a son-in-law, not her husband, but my other daughter's husband, who went through medical school and is a doctor. And just um, knowing what goes on in a healthcare's life in their home family, you know, um, they're my heroes, and we should all appreciate that. Um, I've seen and heard, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, um, from my daughter uh, at the hospital and some of the things that especially with covid it's it's been really rough on those people i think the burnout rate's really high uh turnover is huge right now the ones that do stick it out get to work many extra shifts mm -hmm. and that's what i've seen my daughter do my son-in-law um, both of them have four children my daughter that's the nurse has a one-year-old baby and she total of four kids and uh you know when she she's constantly having to pick up extra shifts um and knowing what's going on at her house with her baby you know doesn't get to see her mama very much because you know she's working all she works nights weekends and uh you know her my son-in-law her husband's uh also a big hero because they keep things taken care of at home so all of our healthcare people can go and do what they do every day and I don't think a lot of us really realize unless you have family members that are in that field what sacrifices are being made by our healthcare providers. Um, my, uh, my other daughter, her husband's a doctor, uh, fairly new, he started up at uh, Mercy in Springfield uh, back in July, finally, finally finished you know, medical school and rotations and residency, and they've been all over the country, and they finally got their dream job in Springfield and live in Ozark, and she's taking care of four kids. And, you know, just seeing the sacrifices that they make for their families to be able to um, go take care of other people. And, you know, I just mentioned, you know, watching the Olympics at the hospital actually last night. Um, and, um, you know, we've had an uh, incident of uh, someone in our family with COVID uh, going through the emergency room back in July. And a little frustration because the care that my mom received was less than perfect. And uh, 
But on the other hand, I see my daughter, the nurse, on the other end of that stick. And um, as she said, she said, um, I don't know if I'm going to keep, she says, my best work right now is about a C, C plus maybe. That's the best work that any of us have right now in healthcare. We like to give A work. You know, if you're grading our work, you know, letter grades like you do here at college, the best they got right now is C plus work. And you're receiving C plus work when you go to the hospital. And it's hard to be okay with that as a patient or the patient's daughter sitting there next to us. But on the other hand, those poor healthcare workers, nurses, doctors, technicians, all those folks, they're doing the best they can and they have kids at home and you know, what a sacrifice those people are doing for us right now. It's it's impressive and I think it's overlooked sometimes. Maybe not completely, but you know, I have a very personal um, experience with that and uh, I get my <laughs> grandchildren every Friday after work in about three hours from now and uh, I keep them overnight so they can have some you know, time where they're not having to be quiet because the mom's getting her rest because yeah. she's got to go back to work tonight. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they come and play at grandma's and we do lots of fun stuff. So that's my other passion is my grandkids, but we won't go there because skiing's right up there with. Yeah. <laughs> but skiing usually wins out on the conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> People, you know, their eyes glaze over when you talk about the grandkids. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't notice that their eyes are glazing over when we're talking about skiing because. There is a big, there is a big canyon between how much fun it is to be with your grandkids and how much fun it is for other people to listen about the grandkid experience. <laughs> I, I recognize that. Yeah, because my totally the same recognize thing. that. Yeah. So I'm not going to go there, but I have great grandkids. Yeah. We have a lot of fun. How old, how old are they? Uh, I've got 10. Two of them live in Vegas, so I don't see them often. Okay. But the other eight, um, I have seven of them at my house every Friday <laughs> night, overnight, and they go home at 4.30 on Saturday. Are they, are they in Kanto aged? Uh, we've got the ones that come to my house start mm-hmm. at age three. Okay, so they're got you're, three, you got some Encanto fired up in your home then. I've got all what is what? the movie Encanto? It's a movie that kids oh, can't Encanto? get enough of. Okay, right? I, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, we've seen that. My kids can't but, get enough of that. They're into um, Warrior Cat role play. Okay, Warrior Cat, Warrior Cat, role play, roar, Warrior Cat. Okay. Oh, that's the big thing right now for the kids. Mm, whatever. Okay. Okay. You know, I don't know what that's about. You're not going to give us a look inside on what Warrior Cat role play is all about. I know nothing. Well, about. I know it involves medics and medics nests and yeah. Uh, poor little Corbin's always crying because he doesn't want to be the medic, and they always Corbin, you have to be the medic. <laughs> I don't want to be the medic. I want to be the mystic cat. Yeah, so these are classes, right? Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, I'm getting a little more kickback well, from Dick Wells on this. Well, there's a whole series of kids' yeah. books that's out, which ah. I thought I would read one just to see what they're doing, but couldn't quite get into it. All right. But uh, they, yeah, it's serious. But yeah, the age is uh, 4, 5, 8, 8, 11, 11, 13. And then we've got a one-year-old that doesn't sleep at night, so he doesn't get to come to grandma's yeah. house yet. We'll wait. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You know, I've heard you ask the question about the playground. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was got hoping, an answer for that too. I was hoping you'd ask me that. Well, one. sure. Okay. When you were back in school, you're on the playground. What is your favorite go-to game or uh, uh, fun time during Merry-go-round. recess? 
merry-go-round. See how fast you could get that thing I to go. Knew it. <laughs> Here it comes back. I knew it. Did. With the thrill-seeking again. Yeah, and the teeter-totters. Man, you could bounce people off those things if you know what you're doing. <laughs> All good physics. I talk about this oh, in yeah. class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, this is in uh, earlier times. By the way, <laughs> back in the by 70s. the way, this makes it more extreme too because you were probably pl- you were playing on the soft plastic playground. <laughs> These were hard no, no, metal no. with the rubber no, floors. Actually, no, actually, monkey bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got a scar right here. Yeah, uh, I think I made that too. That was monkey bars uh, at the playground at the school. Mm-hmm. Backflips off the monkey bars. I couldn't tell you how many times I just landed flat on my back too and lost all of the air. You know, and you hit just hit the ground. Oh like yeah, that. Or, or swing. See how I can get it. See if you oh, can that's my, that's like, a, go over the bar. Oops, mm-hmm. over the bar. Yeah, or, I'm pretty sure that's why my knees now sound like a rain stick when I walk up the <laughs> stairs. I used to jump off at the highest point and land right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we we had extreme playground play back oh, in the yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do that stuff anymore. They might not have even had the wood chips to, for back then. No, actually they didn't. It got very muddy. Yeah. It's just flat out dirt. What were they thinking? Yeah, with rocks, putting us out there. With rocks. I, I don't know if I believe there that they don't rock. do that anymore. I, I think they have to work a little harder to get as in, as in as much danger, but I like to think that, you know, they're still seeking the those thrills. They just well, fun fact, I have a 40-foot slide at my house. Oh, wow. Yeah, a real real metal one. It used to be behind the old school building in Branson. Oh, that's cool. And you got to, got and to rescue it? They, Yeah, I did, actually. And we have built, we put it up in our backyard and did a lot of research on the physics of slides and what angles you should have slides to get the correct velocity. <laughs> oh, cool. Just so you know. And if we would have put it at the angle that was recommended on uh, someone might die. So <laughs> we lowered it a little bit so it's not as steep. However, if you get wax paper on a metal slide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can get some really, really good speed. When I was speed. 15 and a half, my first job was as a ranger at the play place in front of the Battlefield Mall. It's I don't think it's there anymore, but that McDonald's had a big, giant, one of the first, like, big, Play places and so it had the giant plastic slides in it and one of our jobs besides hosing down the <laughs> ball pit when kids peed in it was to wha- uh, clean the slides and we'd wax them uh, we'd stay overnight we'd wax them with uh, 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 armor all and then ride down them on on a plastic tray and you would shoot out of those things yeah that's uh, do you remember you were we were coming up you came up in Springfield right you remember Discovery Zone that oh, used yeah. to be just a place that was just nothing but it was like a supersized McDonald's yeah. Uber playground was, yeah with was, slides and tunnels and pits and <laughs> that thing was crazy town was. I loved that place that was great we do have an age minimum requirement for the slide at my house for wax paper <laughs> for the wax paper yeah what's the age limit uh, you had to be at least four. That <laughs> still That's seems fair. young. That still seems yeah, young. So pliable hey, at that age. I'm working though. on having my grandkids have the same sense yeah. of. Uh, tell me though. Tell me you force them to wear long pants at least on summer days because <laughs> if you had to wear shorts on those old metal slides, your legs would be. You'd get the. It's start in halfway the shade. Down. It's in the shade. It's okay. in the shade. All right. Yeah. For part of the day, at least. Yeah. Sometimes we put water on it and a little yeah. bit of dish soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the big question, Gumby versus Mr. Ed, battle to the death, who wins? Okay. I'm ready for this one. This is a good answer. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, did you know that Mr. Ed died in 1970 and he's buried in 
uh, Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Ooh, I did not know that. I know this. Now, this did not happen as a plot of the show. No. no. He was sent out he to pasture it eventually. Mr. Ed was a stage name, and he had a different name. Okay, yeah, I got horse, you. right? Yeah. He died in 1970. He's buried over there. And if you look up the um, cause of death, there's some questions. There's, some <laughs> really? contra- there's a lot of controversy on how he died. And... They uh, he died. They they think he died of a tranquilizer overdose. Wow! And huh. then they didn't tell anyone that he was dead for a long time, and they had an imposter, Mister Ed, <laughs> till 1977 or eight, a little bit later, and that fallacy was exposed on oh, what was it, Saturday Night Live or some other show? And wow! Now now okay, take that information. Mr. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Gumby. Yeah. I looked him up on the internet. Yeah. He's still alive. <laughs> you can buy him on eBay for two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, yeah. Genuine eBay Gumby. Wait, for the original, the, the, the original, original model or whatever for yeah. Gumby. Huh. So, I think. Does he have a farm degree? <laughs> like a pharmacy degree? I don't know. But this, I, I think he's I think he's Gumby coming in on the idea that he can. Mr. Ed already. So okay. He's already With dead. With a tranquilizer and overdose. Gumby's not dead. Therefore, Gumby's going to win that battle because he's still alive. Are we arguing that Gumby is immortal? I mean, is that the is that the point you're arriving at here? Well, apparently. And therefore cannot be killed. I mean, he was from what? The 19 uh Yeah. What year? Uh, oh, he started 60s. in the 60s. Yeah, sure. I saw I watched it as a kid, so just so you know, I actually knew who he was. Um, and yet, I can still go on eBay and buy him. So he's 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 still he's not dead yet. Maybe he's yeah, straight up immortal. Maybe at the end of the day, he can just outlast Mr. Ed. Well, he doesn't have to. Even, he doesn't he even have did. to engage. He does, well, I'm just saying, if we put them in a hypothetical arena, if Gumby just avoids him for years on end, eventually Mr. Ed will die. He did, die. yeah. And Gumby will outlast him and Absolutely. be the de facto winner. I yes. hope this inspires like a true crime podcast for really figuring out. <laughs> Because it sounds like foul play. Yeah, see, I can see this the season of Serial now. It's where she go. she in her very staccato beats tries to lay out the hype the the conspiracy theory behind Mr. Ed's passing. Yeah, well, one of my things that I I go off on tangents real easy, and you know I have to do research. If you say something and it triggers a thought, then I'm all over it. And yeah. you start talking about Mr. Ed, I'm like, hmm. Sounds like you went, up, you went down a wiki hole is what you did. I do that a lot. I yeah. appreciate yeah. the research you brought. Some really interesting tidbits that I've <laughs> Very nice. Very well. Raccoon dogs. What There's did you say? One. Raccoon, oh, this is about what my are, job one time. So one of the things I do here is order science supplies for our science department, right? Yeah. And a few years back, uh, we were not able to uh, buy meeks for the anatomy class because um usda i don't know i'm sorry the animal minks minks got it okay for anatomy yeah they dissect animals in anatomy right uh, yes you knew yeah. that right yeah i okay. just i had just, to just making sure i had to clarify that the animal is yeah. called the minks okay yeah so um we couldn't buy me no actually start out with cats and then we had to go to minks because you can't get cats anymore and uh, the cats were banned because too many um places were getting their cats you know so it went to minks and then i just recently looked up something and it said that minks this is in the last couple of years minks may not be able to we may not be able to purchase them pretty soon 
uh, well, why? What's going on with the minks? And so there's a relation to COVID and minks and China. Oh, wow. And then it said something about raccoon dogs. You ever heard of a raccoon dog? I have not. Okay, so I we're just, this is all one too. word, raccoon, raccoon dog. Raccoon dogs. dog. Okay. It's not a raccoon or a dog. Uh-huh. They're just weird animals that are actually related to fox. Huh. But I spent a whole afternoon learning about raccoon dogs and mink farms, <laughs> by the way. Mink farms are a big business. I did read about that, that yeah. there was the, so. they had to, they had to kill a bunch of them because they had yeah. contracted it. Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, random things that I find interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I read this uh, chapter book with my six-year-old daughter where um, this ethereal woodland spirit called Mother Nature walked a hypothetical protagonist through the woods and introduced it to all the mammals of the world, or at least all the mammals of the forest. I do not remember raccoon dogs being introduced. Yeah, Raccoons, they're, yeah. they're only in China. You okay. can't export them. They're illegal in the United States, and they're not related to raccoons or dogs. Okay. I'm going to look this up. You have to yeah. look up raccoons. It makes me think of like red kind of pandas. Red pandas kind of look like raccoons. They look like big fat. They look like raccoon. When I see raccoon dog, I see a red panda. In my but that's head. more like a raccoon bear. Yeah, it does, yes. It more Actually, yeah, it looks more like a raccoon bear. Yeah. yeah. We're getting to the bottom of this. Yeah, just fun fact. <laughs> raccoon dogs, look them up. Okay. <laughs> so we've already learned a, a ton about uh, kind of the history of the area. But Way more than I bargained for. Oh, I got the good stuff. You haven't got to the good stuff. But, well, so so when, we, when we had the idea to come up here, um, we, we asked uh, uh, Robert uh, Griffith, hey, who, who, we, we, we're looking for some people that might be interested in doing this uh, or that might be, be interested to talk to. And he, you were the first name that came up. And, and um, one of the things we, that he suggested was uh, because you've been here, uh, you lived here your whole life, just kind of, and, and you've already kind of answered this question, but anything else to share with us about the history of the area, the history of Branson? Well, as, as you have learned, I like to find out interesting, weird facts. And uh, um, so I do have some information that was kind of interesting. Okay. Some, I mean, everyone knows Branson. I would assume everyone knows the history of Branson, right? Right? Okay. I, well, I go, I'll do a quick one. 1907, Shepherd of the Hills book was written by Harold Bill Wright, um, and that brought some interest in the area in the early 1900s, and it became kind of a tourist destination in the 1900, you know, like early 1900s, and then uh, and there was you know caving. Uh, people got started getting interested in that, and that's where Marvel Cave came in, and then um, in the 40s, uh, White River was a very popular fishing area because mainly uh, a lot of people got interested in the Ozarks because of the Shepherd of the Hills book and uh, a lot of people would come to the area for fishing and then in the 50s they built the Table Rock Dam and that changed you know everything um, with all of that happening um, around the same time have you ever heard of Rockway Beach Missouri yeah 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 um, that I, was a big deal back in the 50s. Um, it was also a tourist destination. Um, and little known fact I discovered, um, back in the mid-60s, uh, there was a big riot in Rockaway Beach. That's what changed the whole, everything about Rockaway Beach was... Um, <laughs> a riot. A riot. 5,000 people. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, Rockaway Beach used to be the happening place back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, it, it was like Fort Lauderdale of the Ozarks. And people, uh, mostly college, high school kids, would come there around the 4th of July and party. 
and this is you know 1950s 60s party <clears throat> and um july 4th 19 oh 19 mid 60s uh, there were five 1965 5,000 kids and some law enforcement guy got in it with got into it with one of the people and because he was riding on the shoulders of someone driving a motorcycle oh. and they told him not to and he did it anyway and a riot pursued after that and i think there were uh, about oh 127 people arrested oh wow so, yeah and then uh i can't believe that many people that's like half true. of otc's student body <laughs> five thousand people yeah and um Pete Ray was a prosecuting attorney in the area at the time, and he actually made the comment that, that was recorded, uh, written down or whatever, um, that he didn't want uh, Rockway Beach to become the next Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there was a lot of damage uh, that happened because it was a pretty serious riot yeah. for that small town. And after that, it kind of tanked, and uh, they... Yeah, there was a lot of damage, and people were not happy with those teenagers coming into town kind of thing. And actually, I, I was there as, as a kid, and remember, you know, back in the 60s, there were, it was a cool place. I mean, there were, it was a busy place. It was quite the place. It's not you, anymore. You can, but, you can kind of see it there, right? Because it has that kind of like West Coast-style little bungalows yeah, everywhere. And like, yeah. Oh. Um, and around the same time, uh, well, Silver Dollar City, uh, 1960, opened up um shepherd of the hills as the play uh became something um fun fact uh 1962 beverly hillbillies filmed um one of their episodes actually several episodes out here at silver dollar city huh. on main street 19 and i, I really? was there i was there i saw it what do you mean you were like an extra no my dad worked out there in the summers um, when he wasn't teaching school and uh uh my sister and I got to go to work with my dad. Yeah. He would just drop us off at the front gate and meet us there at, you know, when it's time to, for him to go home. Yeah. And we just ran wild in Silver Dollar City growing up. Uh, that is nuts. That is like the dream of my kids, every, basically. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, they filmed an episode of Beverly Hillbillies. That's one of the reasons their car is over here at the Ralph Foster uh-huh. Museum out of College of the Ozarks. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, the riot, Beverly Hillbillies, um, you know, and then in the 70s, 80s, that's when all the big names and shows started up and kind of became a thing. Wow. One of, I, I don't know. Oh, you're fine. Okay. One other really interesting bit of information about the history. That I grew up, uh, we lived in town, and then we moved north of town into Walnut Shade out, out in the country, you know. And back in the 70s, um, there was a incident that happened in the walnut shade in this area but um uh this area was really bad with drugs back in the 70s and uh, there's a book that was written called almost midnight by a guy named um what's his name almost midnight yes about the history of this um uh michael I think something like that and the incident was uh, a guy named uh, Darren Meese was the um, was kind of big drug lord in the area and uh, I'm sorry Lloyd Lawrence was his name and one of his dealer guys his name was Daryl Meese and Daryl Meese ended up murdering uh, this Lloyd 
out in Walnut Shade over Bear Creek, and uh, his wife and his uh, grandson was with him, killed them all. And then this guy went on uh, went on the run with his girlfriend. And uh, anyway, they eventually caught up with him. He went to jail, big big deal here, you know, in the Ozarks. And they sent him to Potosi up by St. Louis. And that particular year when that happened, John Paul II, the Pope, was visiting St. Louis for his first ever visit to the United States, the same week that uh, Mies was supposed to be executed. And so somehow the Pope heard about this execution, and he was really against, you know. Uh, sure, things. yeah. So he petitioned the governor, who was uh, Mel, uh, Mel Carnahan at the time, to stay the execution and not to execute this guy. And there was a lot of pressure on the governor to not do that. So he ended up not being... Hmm. Yeah. I'm showing Michael Cuneo or yeah, Cuneo. Yeah, that's it. That's Cuneo the, or Cuneo. And that's yeah. the author. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But uh, just a really interesting story. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, they, that, I, I mean, I'm not surprised that maybe in this area that wouldn't be the story that they Well, if anything, it's when I was reading up, through but, this book, I'm like, oh, they talked about this party they had down at Big Rock, Bull Creek. And I'm like, oh, man, that's where my sister and I used to go swimming, you know, when we were you know 16 or whatever and oh yeah i remember those guys on the motorcycle that used to come in we'd leave because they were scary dudes you know and uh the girl that uh ran off with this guy uh she was just out of branson high school um and i knew her i'm like really married oh yeah wow she had quite a past someone i actually you know so you know it's 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 a small community <laughs> when you grow up in branson <laughs> yeah anyway uh, so there you go. If that was it, a story, like a fictional story, no, it's I was on... going to be. I, I understand. I'm just saying, if it was a fictional story, I'm about to be executed. But just incidentally, the Pope swept in at the last minute to save my life. People would be like, "The story's garbage." It's, it's ex machia by definition, right? By <laughs> definition, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, but that you know, you can't make this stuff up. Matter. I was just reading the description of the story. The description said, "This is the." Uh, uh, the hunting true story of a triple murder in the Ozarks, two lovers on the lamb, and a death row inmate saved by the Pope. Yeah, it's a good story. And I knew those people. Some yeah. of them I knew those. Some of those people. Funny thing is, my mama had a copy of that book, and when she, it was her own book, not a library book. When she reads stuff, she'll make little notes in the margins and highlight. You know, <laughs> well, that's not true. Fred knew him, and he wasn't at all. You know, or, or you know, anyway, it was just kind of funny because. Yeah. Uh, a lot of we, you know, I grew up in Walnut Shade, where uh, a lot of this action took place. <laughs> if I had written the story, what would have actually happened is we would have found out that there was a tie-in between your past with uh, uh, bats in in the schoolhouse <laughs> and your thrill-seeking of skiing, and you were actually a vigilante by night that went and saved the day, and yeah, like a superhero origin yeah. story. I throw one more thing in real quick. I know, please. Oh, please. Uh, you, you, when you asked about heroes, I have another hero that's not as serious as the one I did pick. Uh-huh. Um, there's a skier named Candide Throvex. He's from France. Okay, so just... you ever watch his... Just uh, Candide Throvex? C-A-N-D-I-D-E. Okay. Candide. Candide. T-H-O-V-E-X. Okay. Look up his YouTube videos if you want to see some most amazing skiing. Okay. And you think I'm going to say he's my hero, right? No, his camera guy... 
Yes. Seriously. I see that stuff sometimes on like Twitter, like a guy doing a crazy tricks with the cameraman tracking him the entire time. I'm like, what? We got to give some love to the guy who's tracking. No, I don't know. I mean, you know, when when my son and I go skiing, one of the things we like to do is take our phone out of our pocket. I'm going to video. We're going to we're going to take this run. okay? And I ski down with my phone like this in front of my face, chasing him down and I'm better at it than he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to be get, harder. You don't have the pull. It's and, hard. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if I'm, yeah, that guy's that good doing all his stuff. That guy following him in the camera. So one of my things is the people behind the scenes that you don't see or hear about. Those are my heroes. There's a lot of them, too. There, that is a nice little uh, undercurrent between the person filming the crazy snowboarder skier and the person taking care of the kids of the frontline worker yeah. in a hospital. Those both the undercurrent there is consistent. You got a consistent theme there. And by the way, your career, by the way, is behind the scenes, making yeah. everybody making everybody's Maybe lives. That's easier. why I noticed the thing yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> game recognizes game. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Devin, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to us. Um, we've learned an incredible lot not only about more, your yeah. work here at Branson Branson itself uh, the history of OTC in Branson uh, the, your 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 thrill seeking uh, as a, a, a skier and just general adventurer uh, it was a pleasure to meet you and talk with you uh, Andrew I did not know uh, any of that oh and not to mention the true cause or, or at least the true backstory of Mr. Ed's death <laughs> for the first time brought to our, for our podcast uh, Andrew I did not know that. How about you? I definitely did not know that. And now you do. Thank you so much. Thank (laughs) you.